A reading from the book of Acts. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on a road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem against among those who call on his name? And he hasn't come here to take them in prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah, the word of the Lord. Good morning, One Fellowship family and friends. It is a joy to be with you this morning. For those who are guests, my name is Paul Sorensen, and I am the senior pastor of One Fellowship. If you would, please bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are looking at Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 22, and the title of my sermon is Divine Disruption. And I'd like to begin by asking this question. How have the disruptions of life impacted you? One of the ways I see that it's impacting lives is it's impacting how we celebrate. This past week, my nephew Wilson in Chattanooga, Tennessee, he celebrated a birthday. And lo and behold, it uh, turns out that a lot of the cake makers aren't making custom cakes for people's birthdays. And so my sister-in-law, Angie, she had the creative idea. She, she thought, well, if I just buy a blank cake, like a blank canvas, I can customize it. And so she bought the, the necessary ingredients. And then she, she said, well, how am I going to actually spell things out? Um, and so she, she came up with this idea that I'm just going to put the ingredients in a Ziploc bag and, and cut off the tip of the bag. And, and I'll just write what I need to write on the cake through this means. Well, here's what that resulted in. 
It, uh, it's kind of a scary looking cake, is it not? It says HBD, Will. And it looks like the kind of cake you'd see on certain television shows. You see, the disruptions are impacting how we celebrate. Additionally, the disruptions are impacting how we populate. This week, um, one of my favorite uh, figures on Daniel Island is a dog named Rocco. Rocco belongs to the Roush family, and turns out Rocco is social distancing like the rest of us. I don't know if you can see this, but earlier this week, Rocco went missing. Turns out Rocco was hiding in a cardboard box or fort that the kids had made, and they had to go and confront Rocco of his social distancing. And look at that face. Look, it's just covered with guilt and shame. Poor Rocco. You see, the disruptions are impacting how we celebrate, how we populate. How are the disruptions of life impacting you right now? You know, the Bible in history has a lot to say about the disruptions of life and the purpose behind them. And I think this gets to the heart of our passage this morning. The big idea for us is this. Life's disruptions create divine appointments to awaken, soften, and ignite our hearts to Jesus. Life's disruptions create divine appointments to awaken, soften, and ignite our hearts to Jesus. So let's unpack these points over the next few minutes. Point number one, life's disruptions create divine appointments to awaken our hearts to Jesus. Let me ask this question. Have you ever been awakened by something crazy? Just in the middle of the night, maybe in your home or camping, have you ever been awakened by something loud and crazy? I have, even this week. You see, my wife, Carly, she likes to dream scream, I call it. I'll be sleeping, I'll be checked out, and all of a sudden, Carly will jump up in bed and say, Johnny, sit down at your seat. Sit down at your desk. Molly, stop talking. I'm teaching. See, my wife is a fourth grade teacher, and she dream screams about her classroom. I don't know if these are nightmares or what, but they're nightmares to me, other times in the middle of the night, she'll start screaming, jump up, and she'll have a cramp in her foot. Have you ever had a cramp in your foot? It's not a blessed situation. So she'll be screaming and dancing, and I'll just be watching. And I don't know about you, but when I hear dream scream, it's very hard to go back to sleep. You see, when Saul meets Jesus in Acts chapter 9... He is awakened to the very core of his being. Little background information on Acts chapter 9 and on Saul. Saul was a violent, murderous Jewish leader towards the early Christians. We read throughout the book of Acts, at least the early chapters, that he was rounding up Christians. It says that he was getting men and women and children and dragging them out and persecuting them, even overseeing 
their death, their martyrdom. So here in Acts chapter 9, he's just continuing his persecution. You see, Christians had escaped, some of the early Christians had escaped the persecution in Jerusalem and had hunkered down in Damascus, and he got special orders by the religious leaders to go persecute, round up these Christians. So he's on this road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, boom, he's awakened or confronted by Jesus himself. Check this out. Acts 9, verses 3 through 6. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So broken and blinded, Saul moves from being wayward and arrogant to humble and desperate. And for some of us right now, that is exactly what is happening. I came across what I'd say is a poem this week written by a woman named Sarah Bournes, a friend of a friend in New York City. And here's what she is seeing or reflecting in her own heart and in our world today with the coronavirus. We've all been exposed, not necessarily to the virus. We've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides, exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible mask we wear, now exposed by the paper mask we can't hide far enough behind. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection of self. Corona is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions, leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship, our health, our hurry, our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lust, our misplaced trust, Corona is calling everything into question. What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without certainty? How do we love despite risk? Corona is exposing me. My mindless numbing, my endless scrolling, my careless words, my fragile nerves, we've all been exposed. Our junk laid bare, our fears made known, the band-aid torn, the masquerade done. So what now? What's left? Clean hands, clear eyes, tender hearts. What corona reveals God can heal. Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. You see, disruptions in life tend to awaken us 
and expose us to that or whom we cling to for life. Point number one, life's disruption create divine appointments to awaken our hearts to Jesus. Point number two, life's disruptions create divine appointments to soften our hearts to Jesus. Last Sunday, something magical happened in my home. I threw a party. Not a real party, but a virtual party. I didn't even know what I was doing. But as we worshiped together on Sunday morning, I clicked on a button that said, uh, cast a watch party on Facebook. And before you know it, all these friends and family members from across the U.S. who had been divided and disconnected for years gathered together with me to hear about Jesus. You see, when Jesus shows up, the walls come down. Our passage continues. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, if anyone had reason to have a wall up, it was Ananias. Saul was known to be perhaps the most violent persecutors of Christians in the early church. He had marching orders to come round up people just like Ananias. He might have had Ananias's name on a list. He might have had Ananias's address on a sheet of paper. And so Ananias, of course, responds to God when God says, hey, Ananias, I need you to step up. I need you to love. I need you to lead with me. Ananias you know, says, okay, Lord, what is it? And he says, I need you to reach out and lay hands and pray on and welcome this person named Saul. And Ananias says, no way. But of course, then God explains his purposes for Saul's life. And then Ananias follows through in faith. How did he do this? Well, Ananias could hear from Jesus so then he could love like Jesus. He didn't offer condemnation as Saul deserved. He offers grace as Saul needed. The passage continues, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, for those who followed Jesus, 
there is a significant lesson here. I love this quote from Kent Hughes about our passage. The story of Saul's spiritual transformation ought to remind us never to write anyone off as being beyond the love of Christ. We may do so with relatives whom we know have heard the word for years without response, or a sinner who has gone to a crass level of depravity, or someone who has gone into a cult or is propagating false doctrine. But scripture is clear. God can reach anyone. And that's what I saw God do through my watch party last weekend. And that's what I believe God is going to be doing through this global pandemic in the days to come. Might God be doing this through this video right here, right now, in your hearts, in your homes? I am so excited to see how many relationships are restored actually during and through this pandemic. Point two, life's disruptions create divine appointments to soften our hearts to Jesus. And then point three, life's disruptions create divine appointments to ignite our hearts to Jesus. Okay, little audience participation. Raise your hand if you like fires. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten into any trouble playing with fire. Leslie, raise your hand. Garth, raise your hand. Nate, raise your hand. Caden, raise your hand. This is your father. You see, Pastor Cody and I love fire. Only Cody carries a real torch. True story. I'm helping Cody set up for a bonfire for Diff students on our beautiful property, just under eight acres. And uh, some of the wood was wet. I brought one of these, you know, fire starter uh, logs and I brought some kindling and I'm sitting there with a match and I'm trying to light it and Cody starts giggling. And he says, hey, I've got this. So he goes to the back of his Jeep, he pops open kind of the trunk hatch and he pulls out a torch. I'm not talking a metaphorical torch. I'm talking like a real torch. And he lights it and it's going. And he goes around to all the wet wood, all the piles we've created. And he's just standing over those piles with this torch. And uh, he, he then relates to me. He used to get in trouble playing with a lot of fire. But see, now God's using it for good. And sure enough. Before you know it, we had an incredible bonfire for the students, a life-changing event. You see, when we receive new life in Jesus, our hearts go from icy cold to burning hot. Why? Well, we don't have to be in control anymore. We don't have to hide in shame anymore. We don't have to live in fear anymore. Paul who would have his name changed from Saul, would go on to write these words in the book of Romans. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 
Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Say it with me. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Join me. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. One more time. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This truth changes everything. Our passage goes on to share that Saul, once he's prayed over and welcomed into the family of God, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished. This word astonished really jumps out to me. It comes from a Greek word, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce it the correct way, ecstasies. Ecstasies. All who encounter Paul experience ecstasies. Do you know what comes from that word? Ecstatic or ecstasy. You see, no matter where you are today, you need to know this truth. Jesus loves you and wants to fill you with a joy that is unspeakable and unstoppable. In Jesus, your past does not define you. In Jesus, your present does not confine you. In Jesus, no plague can ever bind you. In Jesus, you will never be knocked out or locked out because his love transcends all the ways and all the worries of this life to try to pull us down. You see, life's disruptions create divine appointments to ignite our hearts to Jesus. So I want to close with this question. Will you let life's disruptions create a divine appointment to awaken, soften, and ignite your heart to Jesus today. Just like Ananias replied, yes, Lord, my invitation, my challenge, my call to you today is this. Will you say right here and right now, no matter what road you've been walking down, no matter what walls you have up in your heart, no matter how cold and icy your heart is, will you turn to Jesus and say, yes, Lord.
Please join me as I close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that in life's disruptions, you come to awaken us. You come to soften us and you come to ignite us. God, for those who are watching and joining us this morning, that they're being awakened. For, for those of you who are being awakened right now, I invite you to repeat after me. Yes, Lord. I bring all of my baggage, all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my self-pursuits. I lay it down before you. And I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me and give me new life in you. For those of you that need a softening of the heart where the walls need to come down, I invite you to say, yes, Lord, bring the walls of my heart down. Use me to restore relationships today. And for those who have had cold hearts, you've been checked out, I invite you to let the flame of God's love ignite your heart this morning. Would you say, yes, Lord, ignite my heart so I can set the world on fire with your ecstasy, with your joy, with your love that transcends all times and in all places. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.